Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business. The good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, y'all, we want to follow up with a mini-sode on hiring a VA and talk more specifically about crunching numbers on the financial side to figure out how to make this happen at your business. Morgan and I were talking off the mic, and I was like, we need to just hit record because I think this is really helpful for people to hear. Yay, mini-sodes. We love a good follow-up conversation. Yes, we do. It usually happened a few days after we hit record and we're like, you know, I was thinking, but we just kept on chatting. So we're like, might as well hit record. So when we're thinking about how to afford a admin assistant, a VA, a student apprentice, we need to look at hours. We need to look at finances and market rate. So one example I like to use with business coaching clients in hiring an admin, biller, whatever kind of staff member is directly taking your hourly rate and dividing it by the cost of an admin to see how many hours that that would save you or you would be able to spend as a resource instead of you doing it. So I'm going to do made up numbers here just because that's what we're doing. So let's say you make $100 an hour and let's say you're going to pay an admin assistant $25 an hour. So for one hour of your time, it costs $100. You can take that $100 and get four hours of admin time out of that. And again, that's not going to translate directly into like you getting compensated for that hour plus expenses, but it's really just to give you that perspective of for what costs you an hour of your time could give your practice, your business, four hours of admin time where a whole lot of mundane simple tasks can be done. And then you can use that hour, that four hours somewhere else to grow the business. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. That's a really helpful calculation to have because I am thinking of like the number of hours I just sit and stare at my computer trying to convince myself to do these tasks that I don't want to do. And like, that's an extra hour that I can go for a walk for creative time or, do other things that ignite that CEO level brain in order to continue to build and grow. Yes. What you're speaking to is stepping you into your role in the business as the visionary and the person who needs to be big picture because you have somebody executing the tasks. There we go. It's exactly what exactly nailed it. (laughs) Okay. So then once you figure that out of like, cool, one hour of my paid time can give me four hours a week. Going to keep it conservative for now. That's a good starting place. Mm -hmm. Then there's deciding, which in this example, I did decide how much to pay your admin. Mm -hmm. And just for kind of a range, this is including an apprentice slash intern pay, 
and a full on VA can be anywhere from $15 an hour to $40 an hour, depending Mm -hmm. on contractor, employee level of experience, what you're having them do at your practice. That makes a lot of sense. And also looking at, you know, with it being virtual, cost of living is obviously very different in a bunch of different areas. And so keeping that in mind as well. Um, I know I got paid 15 bucks an hour for one of my jobs and thought I was like living large because the minimum wage in Texas is like seven twenty five, And I was like, I'm making more than double what minimum wages I am thriving. And then I got into like actually working as a dietitian and I was like, it was great. I was here for it, but time to grow. <laughs> time to grow. Yes. I had the same experience when I lived in Missouri and was going to school and was a teaching assistant at some point. And then I was also a diet tech while I was doing my schooling. And with both of those, I made around $15 an hour. And I was like, sick. This is so cool. Yep. Yep. So good. Another follow-up question I had, because I'm, I'm like so stuck on this like weekly, like what if I don't have three to five hours of work for them to do each week? Because like my stuff ebbs and flows. I mean, I'm thinking of like, what about the 10 days I'm in Italy? What about the 10 days we're in Mexico city? And maybe I don't have the time to focus on that then. Like, can I pause it? Or would it make more sense to say, you know, three hours a week times four weeks a month is like 12 hours a month. Could I say like, you have 12 hours a month this is your hourly rate, divide up those 12 hours, like however you need to. And just let me know when you hit 12 hours. And I know that like, I won't give you any more projects until next month. That's a really, really good question. Okay. I think it depends on the stage of your business. Mm. And so I know when I started out, I had an admin five hours a week and I had them really track their time because I was like, listen, we're not making that much money this is what I can afford. Please like help me understand what you're able to get done in this amount of time. And then we can add from there. At this point in time, I pay my admin at Nourished a set amount of hours per week. And that's part of stability is I know just having this person doing email and different admin tasks that I need them to do, they're probably getting 10 hours most weeks. And so the business can support paying for this position at a set 10 hours per week. That Mm -hmm. has not always been the case. For my apprentice that I'm bringing on for business stuff, that will be a hybrid of set rate or set a number of hours per week Plus figuring out how to fill those hours because I think I can fill them Mm. easily just knowing what I've been balancing and also having this person track their time to see what is getting done. And then from there, we're going to build up to a more full-time, part-time, for lack of better terminology to where they're getting an amount of money that they'd like to get while they're in school and be able to support themselves at school. Okay. So say I wanted, we're just going to throw out numbers here. Say I was paying someone $20 an hour times 12 hours, 240 bucks. I know I can make my own decisions in my business, but I would love your insight. 
what if I told them like on the first of the month, I'll pay you $240 and just track those 12 hours throughout the course of the month and let me know when you run out. So I get risky. I feel like I'd like, that sounds ideal in my brain, but I was like, I feel like there's things I'm not thinking about. I would pay for work that's been done, not Mm. before, because then there's no incentive. There's like, what if they only use two hours? Something happens. Mm. What does that mean? So what would be rule of thumb is if it's an employee, you get them on your payroll schedule. At my practice, we do every two weeks. So 26 pay periods a year. It's not twice a month. Just want to clarify that because sometimes there's five week months. So we do every other week Mm -hmm. and we run it through payroll like that. And they report their hours and we pay them. If it were to be a contractor, they would report their hours at the end of the month. And I think that's where you could set like, Hey, I have a budget of 10 to 12 hours for the month. Like bill me at the end of the month. So you're doing it like setting the budget in terms of hours and not like how much money you have. Yes. As far as what you are presenting to the worker. Okay. But like you, I might know I have a budget of $240 and, but I would like tell them like, I can, I have up to 12 hours of work for you. Yep. Yep. And then if they're busting it out, you're getting a return on investment. They say they hit their hours and they need more. You can then decide based on the financial health of the business, what you're able to invest to give them more to help you out. Or maybe they're like, Hey, I only hit seven hours this month. Then, mm-hmm. you know, that you're paying out less than that 240. So you're going to be okay. This is the max oh, amount that I can no. comfortably pay per month. And you can even break it down weekly too. Sometimes I like to do that with expenses. I'll write out what something's costing me annually, what it's going to cost me monthly and what it's costing me weekly so mm-hmm. that I can really get a grasp on how little in the grand scheme, some things can cost and be worth it. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense to makes sense to me. We'll be, be opening up some spreadsheets later today. Yes. And just again, preparing the person what to expect. Having they, a contract. You can have a contract, yes, if it's a contractor. A contract for employees is always an interesting thought because mm-hmm. one, so I'll speak to Colorado because that's where I am. Colorado is an at-will state, which means People work for you willingly. You hire people willingly. People can leave willingly and you can fire willingly without any cause. So there's not really a contract. Now we have guidelines for what the expectation is if someone needs to leave or someone's onboarding and here's their job description, but it's not necessarily a contract. Okay. So more just like project scope. This is how much I'm paying you hourly. Yep. This is my expectation. This is just some like guidelines to follow in terms of like communication and feedback and things like that. Yep. Which can be done in many different forms. It can be in that offer letter. Mm -hmm. It can be in contract form, but it's not an enforceable contract. It's just kind of a a layout of expectations, or you can put it in an employee manual. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different forms that you can do that with. Okay. This is very helpful. Thanks so much for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the pod on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please leave us a rating and review, share with your business bestie, and check out our website at weightinclusiveinnovators.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.